And we're back. This is Model Behavior. I am Michael G. Gable, and this is my podcast. Welcome to it. This is a podcast about modeling and model behavior in life. I like to interview people who are related to the modeling industry and people who I think are interesting to talk to, who are creatively inspiring and can shed a little bit of light on some of the creative struggles that we're all going through. I know I'm going through them, and I know you probably are going through them as well. Um, I told myself when I started this podcast that I was going to do it for a year, and the goal is to do it every week. Sometimes those weeks are harder than others. Sometimes I'm traveling. Sometimes I have work that comes up, but I've, I've been pretty regular about it, except this past couple weeks. I've sort of fallen off the radar, and the last episode was actually a really big milestone. It was episode 26, so that's half a year halfway through my promise to myself with what I was going to do with this podcast. And I sort of hit a wall. I started to question why I'm doing this podcast, why I'm putting it out, why I keep promoting it on my Instagram when I don't think anyone wants to hear from me. And I started to get in my own head. And as our guest today, Emily Sandifer would say, I started to third eye myself. And um, I don't know, I just sort of felt that very familiar feeling of resistance. And I've referenced the book, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield many times on this podcast in terms of identifying the enemy that is resistance. But another book that I think is equally as important is his book called Do the Work. And um, in the description of that book, he says, there's an enemy. There is an intelligent, active, malign force working against us. Step one is to recognize this. That would be what you do in The War of Art. And this recognition alone is enormously powerful. It saved my life, and it will save yours. So that all seems a little melodramatic, but it's really not. Um, creating things that are creatively important to our souls is a worthwhile endeavor, and it's something that can provide all sorts of fulfillment. And I get a lot of fulfillment out of this podcast, and I was very lucky that in the past two weeks when I was sort of struggling with my reasoning for continuing on with this endeavor, I um, was lucky enough to get a lot of feedback. I actually had a call with one of the fans of this podcast who is dipping his toes into modeling for the first time, and I was able to give him a little bit of mentorship in terms of his first test shoots and developing his first portfolio so he could submit to agents. And um, it was really nice to to get that real-world feedback that I was offering something through my bullshit storytelling and questioning of people and their seven-year-old selves. And then I had a lot of other people just reach out and say, you know, when's the next podcast coming out? Really looking forward to it. And they let me know the things they like about this podcast. But I'd love to hear more from you guys. I'd love to hear what you like and don't like about the podcast. If you're listening, please, you know, go ahead and subscribe on the Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and leave a review if you feel like it. You don't have to say much. Just just let me know what you like. Um, how can I, how can I, be more in service of the listener? How can I give you what you want to hear? What do you like about the the format? What do you not like? What would you want to see changed or expounded upon? Um, you know, I'm open to ideas. This is a collaborative process. It's not just me selfishly picking the brains of people I find interesting, although that's part of it. Other than that, I have been pouring myself into some other creative outlets in the past couple weeks. I've been actually painting again. It's been a while since I picked up a paintbrush or a palette knife, as I've been using the past couple weeks. But um, I'm working on my third painting right now. I just posted a couple paintings on Instagram. And again, I was like, why am I putting these out there? No one cares about my stupid paintings. And this this uh, diptych I did of two 18 by 24 canvases with um, 
sort of a uh, rustic palette knife effect and then covered in a graphite coating just sold off of Instagram, off of me posting it just just to put it out there in the world. And um, that's a big part of do the work. It's about what Stephen Pressfield calls shipping um, a project. It's about not hitting a wall in act two and not giving into the resistance wherever it may crop up and getting to the end goal, getting to the finish line and then pressing send and putting that thing out there in the world. And that's something that I've definitely struggled with. I definitely have hit the wall halfway through in a lot of things in my life, whether it was a class in college or a blog I was trying to start or some art series I was trying to get off the ground. There's always a point where at the beginning it's easy and it's fun and it's exciting, but then it gets hard. And this podcast has gotten harder. It's It's been more difficult to schedule guests and to work around my own crazy schedule. And that's a really easy way to make an excuse for not continuing to do it, but I'm not going to do that. I uh, had an amazing conversation with Emily Sandifer this week. Um, she's a photographer and actor here in LA. She's actually photographed me and she photographed the icon image for Model Behavior Podcast. She is the the camera behind um, the image you see when you go to Spotify or iTunes and look up Model Behavior with Michael G. Gable. That's that's Emily's work. And she's a very clean photographer and she's a very insightful person. We had a great conversation. So I'm not going to talk about my art or my troubles anymore. I'm going to let Emily do the talking. So without further ado, Emily Sandifer. Thanks for having me here. Well, thank you for coming by. So this is formerly Casement Studio, now Loft 1923. Yep. Where'd that name come from? The building was constructed in 1923. So you like to pull, because Casement windows are the windows we're looking at. And this space is like a dream loft downtown. We're like golden hour light coming in right now. It's pretty great. (laughs) And we were just talking about how there used to be this beautiful leather chesterfield sofa that i fell in love with and now it's gone it was a very expensive yeah very yeah but you know i'm trying to find a replacement it'll be back before you know no i like what you've done with the place (laughs) i mean and it's a photo studio so you can't it's always kind of revolving too yeah because you know if you use that chesterfield way too much then yeah it's going to be the chesterfield yeah you know you're not going to feel special well, you should you, feel very special because you're one of the few that I shot. I have, I have a couple great photos on that Chesterfield. <laughs> and you actually shot the photo that became the logo for this podcast. Did I really? Yeah. Sweet. You know, the one of me in that like white yes. mock neck thing. Mm-hmm. That's very like, we called it cult classic. Yes. It looks like I'm about to start a cult. <laughs> that's the model behavior image. That's so great. Thank you for that. Thank you. I love that shot. Um, so before we get into all the cool things you do here, the first question of this podcast is... What were you up to when you were seven years old? When I was seven years old, I was uh, growing up in Idaho on a thousand acre ranch. And I was helping my dad probably build miles of fence and uh, working cattle. And uh, seven years old was also the year that I started figure skating. Okay. Which was a huge part of my life. Mending fences and figure skating. It's good balance. Yeah, it's a good, good combo. That's what I remember about being seven. It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And so you live, where do you live now? You live out. I live in a place called Fraser Park, which yeah. is about 75 miles from the studio here in downtown. Yeah. And it's up to five. And what I always tell people is that 
it's eerie because the scenery is changing. So you, you're obviously going a long distance, but yeah. it's almost the same amount of time as like if you were driving from downtown to Santa Monica at five yeah. o'clock. Oh, so yeah. it's just less traffic. It took me, I, I was in like mid Wilshire and to get back to Los Feliz today was like an hour. Yeah. And I was just like, of course it's an hour. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you get so used to it. And that's one of the things my, my friends back home don't understand is like, I have a friend who lived in Denver and like he had friends in Boulder, which is, I don't know, 40 miles. Yeah. He's like, I, I never see them. It's so far. And I was right. like, that's easy. It's 40 minutes. It's true. It's yeah. like dating in LA when you meet a guy that's like in Santa Monica, but you're in Los Feliz and they're like, yeah. I'm sorry, this isn't going to work. It's a long distance relationship. It's <laughs> yeah, basically exactly. dating someone in another city. It's, yeah. <laughs> I'm in that world right now. It's like, no, West Side, no. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Do you want to relocate or are we there at the, this point? Is that weird? <laughs> yeah. So how did you end up out there? When your work is all based um, in LA. Well, me and my boyfriend were living in South Pasadena and we were driving a lot to my parents in Idaho. And it was just this weird, we'd been living together for a couple of years and it was just all of a sudden my boyfriend started getting pretty antsy and he's like, I would, I wish that we had more land and I wish that like we could yeah. own a house. And so me like goal oriented, I was like, okay, shit where do i get us a house and so yeah. i started looking at like zillow and like well that's out of our price range and that's out of our price range that's not enough land um and i started seeing these little things pop up in fraser park that it was like oh that's affordable yeah. and let's go check it out and see if it's way too far away if it seems feasible if it's worth the drive right there was also a place called Green Valley that's a little bit more like Lake Hughes, okay. Santa Clarita area. Yeah. We went and saw that and weren't jazzed about it, which is funny because one of our friends is there now and it's great. But at the time we're like, no, it's a little, no. But we went up to Fraser Park and we're instantly sold and just kept looking for houses and finally got this one that we're in now. Yeah, and, and so you have some been, land and a little bit. A little it's, rustic it's, retreat. Basically. Yeah, it's like a little... <laughs> cabin cottage little house and it's actually walking distance from like the pizza place oh, and the perfect. market but it overlooks the mountain and we have a you know our bedrooms in a loft and we do have like the whole creek bed in front of us and a dirt lot next to us wow. so it feels you guys like, are you kind of got the perfect setup it's great and so you schedule all your work so you come into la three days a week or so and yeah it depends like since i took over the studio i'm here probably almost every day i yeah. do have my little tribe of assistants that if i'm tired or just can't make it and because i rent the space out for productions as well that i'm not involved in right to help with the massive overhead in this place um so i do have those that i can rely on mm -hmm. to come help me out and then my regular shoots i try to at least have like two to three times a week yeah and then there's just times where it's Lately, it feels like it's just been like twice a week so that I have time for post-production and right. life. Because that's, I mean... It's a large part of it. Yeah, it's yeah. a huge part of it. Um, but so you're here shooting at least twice a week. What would you say you do here primarily? <laughs> what would you say you do around <laughs> here? Um, um, well, my bread and butter became headshots, even though that was not the plan yeah. moving to L.A., but I love actors and I love doing headshots. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's probably n not to say that 
you know, this is like a broad blanket statement, but I think there's a lot of photographers that ended up doing headshots just out of necessity because they needed the money. Sure. And so I think I'm in a pretty good spot now where I enjoy it and I'm good at it and I love actors. So I don't feel like I have to do it. I'm doing it because I like to do it. And then the other part is the like editorial test shoots, portfolio shoots as well. um, Commercial stuff. All of that other work that is um, is not like a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. So the headshots are nice because I'm not having to worry about, you know, how to feed my cats. <laughs> how to feed your cats, yeah. How to get money for the pizza shop. Yeah, um, exactly. And I imagine you like actors because you are an actor. Right. So, And I think that that's how I ended up in yeah. headshots. Was It was like, hey, you're an actor, great. Oh, you're a photographer, great. Can you take my headshots? And quickly realized you know moving into california like what headshots needed to be yeah and just kind of snowballed from there as far as like oh i get this and i know what people need yeah and i'm curious what you've sort of deciphered that people need or the you know the market needs because you see trends and headshots they're always kind of evolving that's why we have to Mm -hmm. update our portfolios every year at least not just because we change the way we look but like the, the trends change. So right. try to follow them. And so wh- where do you think you've landed in terms of how to get the most marketable, marketable material out of an actor or a model in terms of updating their portfolio? What I have always heard as far as my own work has been that there's been a, um, some sort of connection in the eyes or the expression or just mm-hmm. that everyone looked very relaxed that maybe they didn't see in someone else's portfolio. Yeah. Maybe it was a little less slick. Maybe it was a little less trendy, mm-hmm. but it just seemed a little bit more honest, yeah. for lack of a better word. And I think that that has definitely been what I've sort of leaned into. Um, I feel like maybe four to six years ago, it was very crazy backgrounds and like different textures and, you know, let's wear glasses and let's wear all the layers and let's yeah. do all the things. Yeah, I've done those. <laughs> yeah, we've all done those. Yeah. And then at some point, I think everyone in LA was like, oh my God. God, this is a lot to look at. And I felt like there is still a little bit of this, but there's always like, well, it has to pop in this tiny thumbnail. And there's a point where you're like, well, it needs to pop, but it can't be obnoxious. Mm -mm. And if you, it it also is like, if everyone becomes that looking, scrolling, you know, poor casting director scrolling down all these photos. So I feel like you can still have something be interesting and pop and not be that crazy obnoxious yeah. Again, it's not obnoxious for everyone, but um I feel like my style has leaned more of just like who's a person, concentrate on expression, concentrate right. on personality, get them relaxed, which I think is half the battle. Yeah. And you probably know this from having to be on the other side of the camera. Yeah, I mean when you just meet a photographer or you're shooting a new brand and you don't know the tone necessarily, mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a very quick adjustment period where you kind of right. have to like put up or shut up and figure it out on the fly. Yeah. Um when you're doing a test shoot or a a shoot with a photographer like you, you have a little more time to think about what you want out of it in terms of what, not in terms of what the client wants or the director wants or the photographer wants. Mm -hmm. You get to put in some of your own flavor. And it's interesting if you look back at like classic headshots, especially in the theatrical world, they're very black and white, Mm -hmm. like black background, black and white tones. And it's all in the expression because... That's true. I mean, yeah, you can put on a cop outfit and stand <laughs> in the middle of the street and direct traffic. And like that shows that you have the outfit, I guess, which <laughs> right. may help you get booked on a co-star role as a cop. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to more serious stuff, like it's all in the eyes because, yeah. you know, theatrical headshots, 
you're not even showing teeth most of the time. Yeah. It's a serious look, maybe a smirk, but right. that connection <laughs> in the eyes has to be there. Yeah. And I remember when we shot together, I was instantly very comfortable with you. We had this weird moment. We were outside shooting some stuff like around the studio <laughs> and both of us sort of stopped and we were like staring at this plane that was flying oh overhead God, really, and yeah. we both just like <laughs> took 30 seconds to just stare at this plane and we were, then we were like, okay, back to work. <laughs> that was weird yeah. and random. But we had a weird little connection <laughs> and it, it helped so much in terms of keeping my eyes fresh and keeping... You know, you're staring down the barrel of a camera, but you have to imagine I'm staring at your eye or mm -hmm. a friend's eye or someone's eye. Right. So how do you how do you sort of muscle that connection out of someone who's maybe a little more guarded or you can tell they're awkward? Right. Yeah, I think that we've all. I mean, I'm guessing most of the people listening to this podcast have had that experience of going in with a photographer who doesn't say much to you. Yeah. Um, and they're just like, try something else. Like, yeah, just just do something different. Yeah. <laughs> like, just do something different with your face. Or, or like me and my female clients always joke about like, just be sexier. And then you're like, what the fuck was I just doing? I yeah. thought I was being I'm, sexy. That was my sexy. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's instantly realizing that actors are coming in with a little bit of jitters and they're not quite sure if we're very empathetic and we're very spongy as far as emotional yeah. emotions go and you do have to just bring them in get them relaxed you know i you probably heard me a million times during our session just to breathe mm -hmm. and anyone who's shot with me knows that that's mostly what i say is just okay nice big breath yeah but there's a lot to be said about that like you have to be very aware of anything that that person individually is insecure about any outside sources that are still in their brains about like yeah. your face is not symmetrical well now they're going to be thinking about that for their <laughs> next 35 years of their career do you ever notice that your face is weird <laughs> yeah like, like <laughs> shit like that that people in the industry say and they mean well but they don't understand that that sort of lives inside oh, yeah. of yeah. your you know and then you just carry that around so i think it's you i i feel for me what has worked is just being really empathetic toward my clients yeah. and trying to get them as comfortable and relaxed and let them know that i've got your back and just breathe yeah and we've got time you know i'm not here just for the money i do want you to look good i I don't really advertise my headshots too much anymore right. because my focus is a little bit more on editorial and commercial work. Um, so whenever anyone does hire me for headshots, it's because they are word of mouth or it's a referral yep. from an agency. That's so how I ended up here through my yeah. agent. Yeah, so it's like models, I yep. want you to look good. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Because it's either going to reflect on me personally or I just feel bad because you've wasted your money that I know was hard for you to come by anyway. Yeah. Um, or it's going it, to, there's just a lot of different factors that I think it's important for clients to know that I'm not just here for the paycheck. Because I think that that does happen with some photographers where yeah. it's just like, we're they'll on a time limit. They'll shuttle you through. Yeah. yeah we're shuttle on a you through your looks. You show up with, you know, five looks and they'll be like, all right, next one, next one, next one. Yeah, exactly. And it's nice when you get some feedback from the monitor. You get to see the back of the camera. Mm -hmm. And just for that peace of mind to know that you're getting what you hope you're getting out right. of the shoot and not just what the photographer thinks you need. Yeah. Um, but I really like that piece of advice to just breathe. And it's yeah. it's almost like a Zen idea. Like take a moment realize where you are. How are you holding your body? Are you tense? Because yeah. a lot of times you can kind of lock up and that's, I'm sure, going to translate onto the camera. Yeah. Well, I started that 
based off of a um, voice and body class that I took for my acting. Yeah. And I noticed how tense I was holding jaw and neck and mm -hmm. like every little muscle in your face. And I started seeing that in other people while I was shooting with them and sort of like, oh, well, duh, that's that's why I think a lot of people don't like photos of themselves because yeah. they see that tenseness. So it's kind of <laughs> yeah. the thing of just... If you can relax, then we, sort of your personality comes out. We did. We had some extra time, so we did, I, we did some like shirtless stuff mm -hmm. that I was. I'm always like a little nervous about that because right. there's just more on display. There's more yeah. to Think has about. to look flattering. <laughs> and I remember I was like, and I was trying to sort of push more towards the editorial high fashion mm -hmm. look, which I didn't really have in my portfolio, so I needed to add to it. And I remember I was sitting on the stool, and I was like, I'm really trying to do this like kind of slouchy GQ, like uh, like kind of disaffected model right. look the classic <laughs> thing and i was like how do you do that and you were just like i think you're doing it and the, <laughs> the pictures ended up great the photos are great i'll, I'll post some of them because i turned i was really happy with how they turned out but sometimes just having that confidence in the fact that like your body knows what to do right can go a long way i think that is exactly what i also have to tell my actors that i also got from a really great acting class was Sometimes you don't need to do as much as you think you need to do. Yeah. And if that's the, the like, we've heard about it on film. Like, you don't have to do too much because yeah, your do face less. is going to be huge. Yeah, yeah do less or um, whatever it is. And it's the same with headshots, I feel. Like, yeah. I think all of us, not just in the industry, but just in society, it's like we're always third-eyeing ourselves and we're always just so... Third eye, critic. what do you mean third eye? Like Just observing? like watching yourself from the outside yeah. and sort of judging yourself like and, and wondering what other people are going to think and wondering if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I think that like that word supposed to be or has to or, or whatever is also really dangerous. And I think your intuition, and that's why we're actors in, in this industry, so yeah. you have to sort of get in touch with your intuition you, you have to be confident and yeah. you know it's funny going back through every year i've updated my portfolio and every year the photos have gotten better i've mm -hmm. worked with better photographers i've gotten better at my job and i've done less every time yeah when exactly. i my first like round of headshots it's just all this like pouty justin <laughs> right. bieber bullshit exactly. like it looks terrible and it's all really gimmicky and it, that was back you know six seven years ago when it was like Put on these zany glasses. Yes. Now you're tech guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put on this like graphic T-shirt. Now you're Mountain Dew guy. Like it was <laughs> right. all like trying on these roles that felt very forced. And I started to just kind of narrow down my portfolio to who I am. Like what yeah. do I wear? You know, from upscale, trendy, all the way to like casual, and just mm -hmm. sort of filling in the gaps of like what's in my actual wardrobe, and not what do I think is going to get me booked on a Twizzlers commercial? Exactly. Because if I'm not like offbeat guy with curly floppy hair like <laughs> i'm probably not gonna book a twizzlers right. commercial an offbeat you know? you know guy with curly hair is gonna book that role yeah he's gonna be jazzed so just probably like a redheaded guy i'm imagining <laughs> yeah, right. you know yeah well and that's also what i've been uh really leaning into is anytime clients come in and they say you know i have these looks i need you to help me narrow them down mm -hmm. i need a procedural okay well what is your version of procedural right because it might not be the blazer and the collared shirt it might be something completely different because we yeah. see those people out in the real world all the time 
you know um you know what is your version of the girl next door could be completely different than what someone else's girl next door in the standard like plaid target mom shirt yeah exactly (laughs) i know that look we were just laughing today about like the plaid shirt she's like i don't need commercial uh bright poppy plaid i need like worn yellowstone you know working class plaid (laughs) she's like that's really hard to find so it's just That's like pretty funny. spot on though. I mean, yeah. she knows what she's looking for. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's like knowing what those cliches are, but then also knowing like what your version of that is mm-hmm. and don't try to fit yourself into something that you're not. Yeah. And I know that's hard when you're first starting out because you do have a lot of opinions from a lot of people and you don't know what you're going to book yet because no. maybe you haven't booked yet. Right. And so that's when, you know, like you said, you go through that process of like, well, I'm going to try it. Throw we'll it at the see. wall, see what sticks. Yeah. It's part of the process. So, I mean, like when someone comes in here, their agent may have given them a mood board. They may know what they want in terms of pushing their own career forward. What makes you happy when they show up with a rack of wardrobe and what makes you go, oh, this is going to be <laughs> a challenge? I feel like I'm pretty tolerant. I maybe uh, have been uh, pegged as maybe too tolerant sometimes as far as, um, I mean, I've had people come in wanting two looks and they've brought me two white t-shirts <laughs> like that's not an exaggeration this that's one's something. a v-neck yes so. <laughs> that's that's exactly what happened and it's like okay well i'm gonna work with that great and it did actually work for that guy and he got an agent out of it and yeah. it worked out great so i think that taught me that you can't always just judge off of lack of whatever right um what makes me happy is when They've asked their agent what their agent wants. Mm-hmm. They've asked if there are certain backgrounds the agent thinks that they hate or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and then they take that with a grain of salt and realize that most agents and casting directors and actors won't know if they like it till they see it anyway. Right. And I like it when they come in with ideas of what they want as well. Mm-hmm. I think the best headshot sessions are when you come in and you make your agent happy, but you also make yourself happy. Yeah. And whether that's in the same look or like, hey, these first three looks are for my agent. This one's for me. Mm-hmm. I've seen that happen and it works really well. Um, and just having a clear idea one way or the other as far as how much you care about setup or whatever it is. Right. Um, I'm pretty good about asking clients now like if there's any backgrounds that they like or dislike also because it's great for me if someone's like no just do your thing i trust your judgment yeah that's valid but you're the pro if you know that you don't like neon pink like (laughs) don't let me shoot you against neon pink if that's what i bring out like you still have to know like okay i know i told you to do your thing but and I get that. I, it looks good, but maybe we should just try something else or whatever it is. Because there's some people that that don't like the like the paper backdrops, that just yeah. like the clear, like clean color. And there's some people that love that. So it's nice for me to know if you have an opinion. I mean, if that's the like the power of saying no, being right. like I don't want to spend time on this idea. I'm not in love with it. I'm probably not going to read like I'm comfortable in mm-hmm. this setting. So let's move along. And yeah. it's, 
probably not going to hurt your feelings, I would imagine. It's not going to hurt my feelings at all. Yeah. Because I don't have to Photoshop it later because you didn't tell me you didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't have to waste time going through post-production on it. But right. You know, it's just, okay, or, skip it. Or, you know, I mean, I've heard no end of times where someone has said, oh, yeah, I really love this one photographer, but I never went back to them because of this, that, or the other reason. And yeah. I'll pose the question, well, did you say anything during your shoot? No, I didn't. Well, yeah. that sucks. Because yeah. if you like that photographer, just tell them, you right. know? It's the same on my side of the camera. If, if the photographer is not getting what they want and they want to move along to the next setup, it doesn't necessarily mean that like they're not happy with me. Mm-hmm. It could be just the lights not working in that space right. or the clothes aren't reading right against X color backdrop, you know? Yeah. And you have to get that tough skin of like, just because you're moving along or something's not working doesn't mean it's your fault. Yes. You may be part of the problem, (laughs) but you're probably not all the problem. (laughs) Yeah. Can you just do better? Just like do something Uh, different with your face. We're going to move along to the next model because this is a disaster. (laughs) But even then, like I've had situations where they've taken like changed who the hero is on it they show up to the, the shoot and it's like oh we're gonna make michael the hero maybe because i'm a little bit taller than the right. guy i'm cast with and mm-hmm. the, maybe the yellow shirt fits me a little better than him right and, and like yeah i'm gonna get more FaceTime on that commercial but there's also times where i get pushed to the back right. and it's like great don't have to worry about anything i'm great. not in focus <laughs> exactly. i'm just a mannequin and that's good too yeah and i think everyone in their modeling and acting careers kind of that ego starts to melt away and you just want to be in service of yes. the shot and that's you know, I think that's definitely key. Yeah, it's, it's just, easy when it's an ensemble and you're just yeah. a, a piece of the machine. But when it's a headshot, it's a little more on, all about you, you know? It is. It is. Like you're, especially for headshots, you are hiring me as photographer to get you a product that's going to quote unquote sell you. And that's basically what it is, yeah. you know? Um, so it is nice to come in with some ideas. It is nice to be like, Hey, these are the shots that I liked of yours that made me choose you as a photographer. Cause yeah. there's so many photographers in this town. Like I'm a dime a dozen. So it's nice for me to know why you chose me. Was right. it, is, was it directly off a referral and you just heard that I was easy to work with? Great. Was it also because of, you know, I love this lighting or I love this setup because every client is different and I don't want to shoot every single person the same either because for me personally, I don't want to be one of those photographers that every shot that you see is like the same three backgrounds or the same lighting or everyone is in uh, the same tank top or whatever. And I think that works really well for some photographers and like the brand that they have made for themselves. Sure. But doesn't work for me. So I think it's also nice to at least come in with some sort of semblance as to why you're working with that photographer and letting them know if they ask. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure they'll love to hear that. Oh, I really enjoyed this shoot you did with this model. Mm -hmm. I love the dynamic quality of the movement or what you were able to capture with the lighting. Yeah, because I might have a different idea in my head for that particular person. And then as soon as they tell me what they like, then I'm immediately like, okay, cool. I'm going to change gears and I'm going to actually shoot it this way because they're going to, they've told me that that's what they want more. So besides headshots, what do you, what do you like to shoot when you have just a camera on your hip? Um, like I feel, I really, really love, like recently I went to New York and just, uh, hit up a modeling agent and got uh, a guy to come and just shoot some photos similar to what you and I did. Yeah. But it was just like, I just want to go around the city and just take some portraits slash model stuff. And I just very simple. I had a reflector and I, 
feel like that sometimes is the most fun is it's very collaborative. Yeah. Um, it's very no nonsense. There's not a lot of technical lights or anything like that, which is fine. I mean, and no pressure. You get to just kind of play. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that anything where I can focus a little bit more on um, like interacting with people I like. Yeah better there's sometimes on like an e-com job or whatever um you're kind of just gotta get it done gotta get it done and it's not quite as enjoyable um i also just love like travel photography yeah love going out in the middle of nowhere and just taking those types of photos what's up with scotland what's up with you in scotland i don't know what's up with me in scotland (laughs) i really don't and it's becoming like an almost embarrassing question (laughs) and people are like what fuck is up with you in scotland why do you like it so much i don't know it's just beautiful and it just I feel like Scotland and Ireland just call to people for some reason. Yeah. I haven't been. I want to go. I have Irish roots. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you've posted some amazing stuff from Scotland. I remember one of the ones I saw I was like, "Oh, I get it." Like I commented like I was like, "I get it." Like yeah. I want to go there too. <laughs> yeah, because I same thing. My family's heritage is uh Irish, Scottish, Wales or Welsh and uh English and some other things dabbled in there. So I always wanted to go to Ireland and I thought the connection would be with Ireland. Yeah. And then went to both and Ireland is beautiful and I'd definitely go back. But Scotland was like my jam. I was yeah. like, I have to go back and I just had to keep going back. Um yeah, it's just it's stunning. It's old. I mean, there's Very castles old. everywhere. and You can go to breweries from like the 1100s and yeah. you know, pubs that are older than America by a long shot. I think that like history and that yeah. sort of residual energy is really cool to me. And just the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I like moody, dark, Overcast, rainy, yeah. gloomy. <laughs> You're not going like to get this, that in downtown LA. Yeah, I'm like well, you get some moody, gloomy. Sun-drenched warehouse studio with light from all directions. And I'm like, I love rain and gloom. Um, do you think that's just in your DNA? I think so. Cause I always liked that when I was growing up, like any time yeah. the rainy season was in Idaho or anything like that fog. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Cause I know some people are like, Ugh, no, <laughs> I want sunshine you know, so all the time. How did you, how did you get from being a figure skating farm girl <laughs> to LA? Um, I think I always knew that creatively anything I was interested in was going to have to be LA because I was obsessed with movies from the time I was really little too. Like I was watching star Wars all the time before, (laughs) like before I went to kindergarten, like my sisters would come home and I was always watching star Wars and things like that. Um, it was E.T. for me. I watched E.T. Really? like every day as a child. (laughs) (laughs) You might just like, uh, like empire strikes back or something. Yeah. Freaking Ewoks. I loved, but uh, so I knew that was probably going to have to, it was always like, yeah, you got to go to California for yeah. that. Right. And then, um, the photography, I started in high school, freshman year yep. because my big sister was doing it and it seemed really awesome. And so then I started doing it. And so I think luckily I had enough sense at an early age that like, okay, great. Move to California become an actor Mm -hmm. but also know that you're not special enough to just be an overnight success so what can you do so that you're not miserable while you're doing that hustle right um and so the photography was like well that makes sense it's great i love to do it i was doing it all throughout college i was doing it uh i worked at a studio in college as well was just in boise idaho and so it taught me a lot about actually running a business smart and so 
I guess that's how I ended up in California. I just knew that I'd have to be down here. And so you're now putting the photography and the acting together in some capacity because I think you and your husband are like making a movie in Scotland. Yeah, Yeah. we've been, I started making films on my own like in 2009. Cool. Which was like a year after I moved to LA. Um, I made friends with some LA film school students and kind of got inspired by them and did know that I had the skills because I always loved to write because my mom is an author so that was always important. So I love to write, and then I was like, well, I'm a f- also a photographer, so this could translate well. This could work well. Yeah, and we're on to something here. Yeah, and I also honestly just needed footage. It's like, I need an agent. Right, uh, build that I, reel. Yeah, I'm like, I need a reel. Great, I can't wait around for someone to hire me. Okay, nope. great, let's just get involved with the, you know, the students that I had made friends with, and we just started making things, and then started making my own stuff and then when me and tj met um in 2011 that's when we started uh he was acting in my projects and then that morphed into us doing it just the two of us and we've done Mm -hmm. quite a few things with just the two of us just because we wanted to be creative we were going to a cool place whether it was idaho or scotland or whatever couldn't rely on getting people to volunteer when you're out in the middle of nowhere in a different country so at some point you're like, okay, well, what are your limitations? What can we do with this cool location? Uh, let's write a story around it and let's just go shoot it and just see what happens. That's awesome. And that's been really frustrating and really rewarding at the same time. Yeah, it's a close relationship, a close yeah. working relationship. Exactly. But it is a way to make your vacations, I don't know, more interesting and more productive. You know, you have this yeah. memento that you created when you went to Idaho or you went to Scotland. And, mm-hmm. um, and it also just gets you to flex that creativity yeah which is so important like you said you can't just wait around to book roles and hope that right. this headshot's gonna get you your series regular on right. svu <laughs> or whatever it might i don't know probably not but you got to get out there and start making the stuff that you want to be in and that's the same thing i do when i show up to a shoot with you is mm-hmm. i'm building out my portfolio to direct my career in the way that i think i can potentially book jobs yes and i just had a listener reach out to me who's in the very early stages of putting together his first portfolio to reach out to agencies. And, you know, he was like, I got a couple shots. Uh, I think I'm just going to submit them. And I was like, whoa, 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 what's the, what's the rush? Where's Mm -hmm. the fire here? Like, what else can you do? Like, can you do fitness? Can you do sports? Can you do editorial? Can you do lifestyle? Like spend a little bit more money putting that into your portfolio. And then when you go out to an agency, it's like, it's not, they're just taking a chance on you. Right. You're showing them that you have skills and, something more to bring to the table than a pretty face. That's very true because I didn't start getting uh, anywhere until I started making my own stuff. Yeah. Because I am a very generic look and Mm. I'm not afraid to say that. Like I know that there's a bunch of like my types in this city um, and that's totally fine. It's just going to take maybe a little bit longer or a little bit more work to figure out what makes my on the surface what makes me seem generic actually like okay well this is actually what makes me different well i don't know if i'd say generic is well you know what i mean i mean i think any type any type that you are whether you're quirky redhead floppy hair guy or you look like me or you look like you like there's a million people who look not just like you they look exactly like you in this town and it freaks you out yeah the (laughs) the the quote-unquote word generic i think is just 
like the easiest term for people to like, okay, I get it. But yeah, I mean, every everyone is different. We know that there's only one type of you, but I think we've all heard it when we've submitted like, oh, I have too many of you on my roster. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. I've heard that a lot. <laughs> yeah. And so what did I do? I, I was like, okay, well, I've tried three years to get a theatrical agent mm-hmm. and I, it's not for a lack of trying or submitting or whatever. So I chopped my hair off and wrote some new stuff for my reel. And that's what got me my first theatrical agent was Perfect. doing that. What kind of stuff when you are making these films on your own and making stuff for your reel, what do you gravitate towards in terms of content? Moody, um, gloomy stuff? It seems like it always has some sort of weird paranormal okay. thing to it. Um, that probably comes somewhere from like, you know, I don't know, growing up on a ranch and always thinking there was something like kind of weird and magical or whatever. I always yeah. like stories where the location is also a character. Yeah. Um, like Stephen but, King type stuff. Right. We do gravitate. I mean, both me and TJ, we love comedy, but I also feel like I gravitate a little bit more on the dramatic side. Yeah. But I mean, I would love to do multicam just as much. So I'm sort of all over the place, yeah. which probably, I don't know if that helps or doesn't help, but, um, I mean, it seems like you have, you're open, but you also have the things that you gravitate towards, which is, yeah. you know, you can't, you can't just hold out, like I said, to be the series regular and SVU type right. show. Like you <laughs> might be able to get that, but you also might end up on like, this is us right. or a CW show yeah. or the Nickelodeon dad, mm-hmm. you know, as an actor, you don't necessarily get to choose until you get to a stratospheric level of fame when then it's like, yeah. you know, you don't audition and the scripts just come to right. you and then you, you Leonardo DiCaprio it and just only work with <laughs> Oscar winning directors. But yeah, exactly. That's Leo. Yeah. I don't think no. Leo's listening to this. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm not getting those types of like straight to offer things, you know? So yeah, I do kind of like to just, um, we, we've written sort of like funny off the wall things. And then the next one is a little bit more dramatic or whatever, but it does always have some sort of weird paranormal thing to it. I mean, I have plenty of story ideas that don't have that, that are just more like character driven dramas, but yeah. Speaking of paranormal activity, is it true that Billie Eilish was in the studio? (gasps) She was. Were you here for that? I was. Really? It was awesome. How did that happen? Tell me more. Cause she's an alien. I'm pretty convinced. (laughs) She's an amazing (laughs) alien. Yeah. Um, so this space I also rent out, like I was talking about earlier for productions and there's, um, quite a few production companies that always just put the studio on hold. Um, it's a pretty basic, you know, this one production company in particular, they haven't shot here much, but they've always been nice about like, Hey, we're trying to get them to book your studio, put us on hold. This was one of those that that production company, um, had a couple of studios on hold and thank God my studio was chosen for one of the covers. I think she did four covers for that issue. All with different photographers. It It was Vogue. Like Vogue. Yeah. So that was big too of like, Vogue is going to be here. It's going to be Billie Eilish. Um, and I love her music anyway. And yeah. my nieces love her music. And so I instantly got some street cred on that. But for yeah, sure. It was I mean, really cool. Billie Eilish and Vogue is kind of like, that's the bee's knees right like, now. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she just like, swept the Grammys. Yeah. And is like the icon of weird Gen Z fashion and music, I, I think. I know. She's great. Uh, she's another one of those, like, I was talking to someone the other day about how it's been inspiring to see 
I think it was for her birthday, she posted this video of her doing music when she's a little tiny kid. Yeah. And you're like, well, yeah, so you've been involved in music since you were little. You're now 18. That's still mm-hmm. a lot more time than a lot of us have been doing whatever, yeah. you know, It's the 10,000 hour rule. She's probably yeah. put in her 10,000 like, yeah, hours. she's probably, you know, earned this and she's very talented. And so that was cool. Just the fact that that was the shoot with that particular production company yeah. that finally booked the space. So you and got to be in her presence? I did. What, was she everything you hoped she'd she be? She was lovely. I bet. Yeah. yeah. She was like giggly and sweet, but she was also very professional and, yeah. and very just focused, which is always nice to see. Yeah. So yeah, it was great. <laughs> but I think that's a good point that like people look at someone like Billie Eilish and like, wow, she's 17, 16, 18, whatever, and like already so famous, there's no hope for me. And it's like, well... When did you start? Did you right. start when you were seven or mm-hmm. when you were, you know, 27? Because right. it's going to take some time. And there's this, this book I've referenced a couple times. I think it's called Talent is Overrated <laughs> by Cal Newport. And it's it's about how all these famous uh, prodigy success stories from like Mozart to Beethoven to Tiger Woods, like it's not that they were just some freak of nature were born with a natural talent and innate right. ability. They just had parents who pushed them really fucking hard yeah really early yeah you know like tiger woods's dad i believe was a drill sergeant or at least a marine something Mm -hmm. and he like put him through golf boot camp since he was two and you know michael phelps was in a pool for seven hours a day since he was eight yeah um so they just got their hours and they got their reps in earlier and then by the time people realized who they were, that seemed like they were just some prodigy. But right. really, the they're just a young... Overnight success. Yeah, they're just a young professional. And you'll see it in the, the movie industry, too. Like, someone will break out on a show like Empire or something. And like, right. oh, he's an overnight success. And it's like, no, the kid's been in commercials for the last right. 10 years. You know, and trying to get those co-stars. You just never noticed them. Yeah. So, and once in a while, I'll have a client who's like, oh, I've been in L.A. for two years and I've already booked all this stuff. And they've yeah. just been right for... A part and got you know got in there and had the opportunity and did well and that's fantastic i think that clients or you know actors and models or whoever just remember that it's like it's not it's not a race like especially with acting like yeah we can act until the day that we die so yeah it might come a little bit later on in your life than what you were planning but that's fine morgan freeman was like 50 something yeah and i think the pressure is a little bit there more for women but i personally am like trying to i'm trying to be like the uh i don't know like the positive influencer of of my clients of like don't don't let that get to you don't let the age thing get to you because if you're talking about the problem, then it's a problem. But right. if you just kind of keep at it, I, I was listening to, um, there's a documentary on Betty White. Oh, cool. I've seen that. I haven't watched Netflix. it yet. Yeah. And I liked what she was saying about, um, cause she's one of the pioneer women of TV. And she's like, I didn't think of myself as like the only woman in TV. Right. I was just doing what I love to do and I worked really hard and I was lucky to be respected. And so I just did it. Yeah. And I felt like that growing up. I'm not fucking Betty White, obviously, <laughs> but I, it never occurred to me that, oh, this might be harder because I'm a female or yeah. there's going to be an age cap because I'm a female. I was like, no, just 
work hard and like do what you want to do and yeah and that goes know. back to that what you're talking about like third eyeing yourself like the mm-hmm. more you think about it and the more pressure you put on and the more stigmas you can attach to your career yeah. or your age or your looks or your talent or your skill or your the m- amount of money you have in the bank to do test shoots and headshot shoots and take classes you're just like making it that much harder for yourself right whereas like just go out there and do the work you want to do yeah and whether that's making videos, making films with your husband when you have free time or it's, right. you know, submitting to agencies or getting those first roles or getting the next big roles, just do it because you want to do it. I don't, yeah. I think there's so much pressure you can put on yourself that's unnecessary. There is. And, and we've all done it to ourselves. And uh, I think the, I think I mentioned it earlier, like I hear so many of the phrase, I should do this, I have to do this, someone told me I need to do this. Yeah. So just get that narrative out of your brain because it's just so much easier when, you, when you're like, okay, well, I don't think that that works for me. So yeah. great. Thank you for the advice. I'll take it into consideration, but I might just tweak some things right. a little bit. And it's, it's, it's tough though because this is an industry where there's so much rejection that when you do get a little bit of acceptance you can almost get paralyzed mm-hmm. by the thought of like ruining it. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you said that someone comes in and they never say like, oh, I don't like this background because they're just like so nervous about the fact right. that like, don't blow this, don't blow this. Right. I, you know, I'm, I booked with Emily. <laughs> this is going to be great. Like I need this for my portfolio. My agents love her. And then. But it's also your time. It's also your career and it's also your money. Yeah. You got to take know? ownership of it. Yeah. And there's, nothing that freaks me out more of thinking that maybe someone thought that they wasted their money by shooting with me. Like, I hope that's never happened. I mean, I'm sure it has because of something, maybe someone never, again, never spoke up and told me that they didn't like something early on. And I didn't ask them because I just assumed, you know, now I don't assume. (laughs) I just ask a lot of questions. But yeah, it's that same thing of like, it's your session, it's your career. Mm-hmm. I see that all the time with actors and their agents, especially again, like sometimes with certain personalities or again, I mean, I hate, I, we were just talking about this, but sometimes it does happen more with women where you get pegged as being difficult if you stand up to your agent or tell them more yeah. of what you want. Just Just do it anyway. You know, I've had so many... Not bad agents, just bad for me. And it right. might have just been because I didn't speak up in time or when I finally did or, or whatever. You don't know, but... Yeah, I mean, like, every well, agent's different and they're sometimes not the right fit for you. You know, I have an agent who, if I'm not booked out, like, I have to be available from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. every weekday. Mm-hmm. And if we get a last-minute audition, I have to drop whatever I'm doing and go to it. Right. And that works for me because I don't have a day job that I have to get someone to cover my shift. But for a lot of people, that sort of setup will not work. You need an agent who can understand that, yes, this is what you're trying to do, but also you need to pay rent. And sometimes (laughs) like, you know, and I, I juggle a few agents and sometimes I always try to be diligent about my bookouts, but like things pop up last minute and then you need an agent Mm -hmm. who understands that like, they're not the end all be all as well. And there's agents out there like that. Um, Yeah. My commercial agent, has been amazing and I don't go out that often and I'm completely fine with that. And she and I have that understanding where she knows she's like, I know you could make more money at the studio than a last minute audition. So when I get you out or I submit you on something, 
I'm going to be mindful of what I think is not a waste of your time. Right. You're also driving in from Fraser. I'm also driving. Yeah. And that's always fine. You know, I've, I've yeah. very much like moved up there on my own accord. And I, I knew that that was going to be a lot of like last minute things pop up. Um, but it is nice to have, cause I haven't had that luck as much on the theatrical side. Yeah. That's a tough, it's a tough and game. It is tough. Yeah. Because she's been very understanding. And I think it also is different, you know, depending on if you're union or non-union, mm-hmm. you know, and so she's been always up front. She's like, you're probably not going to go out that much. And I've been like, that's fine. Cause I know when you do get me out, that's, it's going to be worth my time. Yeah. That, is probably not going to work for some other people. I know people that think they don't have, you know, two or three other businesses they're trying to run, which right. <laughs> I'm not saying is smart because sometimes <laughs> I know it's not, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's like, I really think it's commendable. The actors that I know and the models that the, that's their, that's their thing. They yeah. have nothing else going on to distract them. And that's amazing. I wish I could do that because it would be I great. I wish I could to, do that. I got way too much going right? on. Just to just be like, yes, I can be there in two hours and this is fantastic. Um, but you're going to need a different agent if that's your yeah. if that's your thing. So Are you union or non-union? I'm union, yeah. So you get less auditions because of your union status? I guess because... Commercially. Of the, oh, commercially, yeah. Yeah, because I, I mean... Last time I talked to my commercial agent, I think this was in December, she was, we were talking about the percentage and she said that it's close to like 30, 70 as far as union, union and non-union. non-union. Yeah, that's and she said, right. and that's, that could even be pushing more than that now. Yeah, we talked, I talked to Killian McHugh who runs a big commercial workshop mm-hmm. and he said a similar number. I thought it was like 1090. It probably just, is. Just based yeah. on what I go out for, because I'm FICOR, so I yeah. can work in both. That's great. But I don't know. Like the amount of SAG national commercials I go out for versus just little right. non union buyouts, which are great, great day rates and right. whatnot. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's 30, 70, but I also might be with an agent that's not well, getting Well, that's what she said too. Stuff. She's like, it probably is more than that yeah. by now. Yeah. I would have no doubt that it's. <laughs> 1090 or whatever yeah. it is because I mean it's like the 20% rule the 10% rule yeah. makes sense yeah that seems like they're trying to shift it back but who knows and I'm you know I've gone FICOR because I mostly do modeling and commercials so it mm-hmm. makes sense for me to great. be non-union it's worked great for me but well and I don't, I don't think it matters it, you know when I first moved to LA 12 years ago or whatever it was, it was like, Oh no, you don't go FICOR, you know? Yeah. Now it's like, no, it, it doesn't have the stigma on it at all. Right. whatsoever. I don't know if it becomes a problem if you start to work more in the theatrical world. I gotcha. Um, cause I think some shows need you to be full union to oh, get you okay. on there. And that, but that's when you're starting to get the guest star and right. series regular roles. And we'll see. I just, I have not been pushing my theatrical world at all mm-hmm. in like the past couple of years, but then I just went to Sundance and I'm like, hmm. You're all fired up, yeah. aren't you? <laughs> it does that. It's like. Have you been there? Uh, I went in 2018. Yeah. Uh, I had the tiniest, tiniest part in um, a movie called The Tale with Laura Dern. Oh, cool. I played a college student. She was the professor and it was. It was great, and it, and I didn't need to go, but I was like, well, this might be my one time that I'm in remotely in a film that's in Sundance. That's I want to go support cool. it, and I felt like it was like a good trial run of like this is what you can expect, you know. And um, it was funny because one of my clients actually was also in that film, 
and he referred me to his publicist and I was like, well, I'll just, I'll just do this. It's an affordable publicist. Mm -hmm. It's a small part. I just want the experience and then I can move along and, and see if it was yeah. worth it or whatever. And Play the game. Yeah. And it was, it was really inspiring to be there. Cause it was when I started my first film in 2009, I made this little like 65 minute feature that I was like, I'm going to go to Sundance. Yeah. And of course, like it didn't get it because <laughs> it didn't get in anywhere. You know, it was like maybe some online stuff, but it was always like the goal of like, I'm going to go to Sundance. I'm going to work with Robert Redford someday and all this <laughs> stuff. And it's like, okay, well, if this is my one chance, I'm going to go. And it was cool. But like you said, like you come back and you want to hit the ground running. Well, it's such an inspiring place because it's just shameless networking mm -hmm. like and i'm not good at self-promotion I'm, I'm not, not a networker <laughs> i don't want to small talk and schmooze yeah but i was with a bunch of producers who like that was like their game they just go out and like you talk to everyone and like it's not just like what do you have that, that can work for me it's right what do you have that might be interesting to someone i know and it's like yeah. everyone's just trying to connect the dots creatively and once you start to play that game you it's realize like fun. people are interested yeah. in this book you wrote or, oh, the art you're making. Like I, you know, I'm an art collector. It's yeah, just yeah. like, it, it was pretty cool. And then you get to like, you know, you're, you're in a bar and like Ethan Hawke walks in and you're just like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like Bill Skarsgård's there who plays the clown and it. And like, yeah. it's just, I went to a theme park design convention back when I worked in that industry. Yeah. And I just thought it was silly. I was like, this is like. <laughs> Like I, we watched this industry panel where these big leaders of the industry were giving speeches and the girl next to me from my company was crying because she was so inspired. And Aww. I was like, it was sweet. But I was like, this is a joke. Like, I, why are you crying? <laughs> because it just wasn't my world. Right. And then going to Sundance, I was like, oh, I like this world. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. That was. That I felt the same way. There, yeah. there were There were parts of the. Not not specifically at Sundance, because Sundance was a really great experience, even though I did see, like, if you're in a film, I don't know how you'd get into a lot of those parties without a publicist, so that was really yeah. eye-opening, of because I'm like you, I'm not a schmoozer. My uh, TJ could probably go up to a door and talk himself into any party, yeah. a party he wanted. Yeah. I'm not like that. If someone was like, "No, sorry, you're not on the list," I'd be like, like okay, "I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. sorry. Yeah. You know, I wasted uh, your time." Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, so for me, having that publicist was a lifesaver because yeah. he was like pushing, like. Okay, I've got you at this party, and I've got you at this party. And yeah, da, da, and that's da, da. all it was was just like party after party. It's free yeah. food and drinks all day long. Exactly. He's like, don't worry about like food yeah. money. Yeah, you're not gonna you're need just that. You're sliders for three days. <laughs> yeah, just live off the appetizers <laughs> at the party. Yeah. Um, but that's the game is getting into these, and like we got some plus ones, and we were finagling yeah. and moving them around, and then like. I lied that I was an NYU student to get into the NYU party. And then the Dean of Arts came up to me and was like, oh, like who are you? And I was like, Zach? He's like, of course, Zach. And I, was, I was like, don't ask me who I studied with, please. <laughs> I don't remember. Yes. Yeah, you know, I don't memory. like to single out professors. It was just a yeah, exactly. I don't want to name experience. any names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Sundance was cool. And we'll see where that, that lands for me. But do you have any last bits of advice for any models or actors or photographers or business owners or figure skaters <laughs> oh, yeah i know like we kind of talked about figure skating i completely went off the rails as far as talking about how i didn't become a figure skater any advice <sighs> breathe just kidding no i like um, that any advice i feel like i think it's been like the theme of the night of just be very honest with yourself yeah 
and always take any advice that anyone gives you, no matter who they are, uh, with a grain of salt. And I think you'll eventually figure out what bits and pieces of that advice is useful to you and what is not. And that's fine. Yeah. That's really, I mean, it goes back to the idea of when people come in here and say, I should do this. I have to do this. Think I about, cringe, yeah. Wh- think about why you have to. Right. Do you have to for you or do you right. have to for X, Y, and Z? Right. And, and I, I also think, I, I hope it doesn't come off as cynical, but I also feel like a lot of people just, they are well-meaning, but they just want to give you advice. Every, there's Everyone is a critic in this town. Everyone has an opinion. Um, and I think it reflects more on them than it does like what you should actually do with their advice. Um, and again, not to be cynical about that, but I think it's just a good rule of thumb. Yeah. Like just know that they are trying to help you, but they are also just trying to say anything that might help you. And there, a lot of them are like regurgitating what they've heard someone else tell them. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. You know, just give them the note, just trying to get some, yeah, well, I've heard someone say this before, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I mean, even I'm bad about that sometimes. Like I, I was at a screening where I heard Amy Adams say that this, the uh, this hustle wasn't sexy for her, and I was like, I fucking love that. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, the hustle isn't sexy. It's not <laughs> you sexy. Know? Exactly. So I yeah. catch myself saying that sometimes, and I'm like, that's not your quote, Emily. That's Amy Adams' quote. You know. Yeah. So. No, that's so just, true because one of my friends just posted an Instagram story of some book she was reading about how like. So many people just want to do things to do be doing something. Yeah. And like it's this hustle mindset. And it's like sometimes you need to just take some space, take a breath, mm-hmm. realize where you are, think about your intentions. It's all very new agey, you know. It is, but it kind of works, you <laughs> know. And every works. time I'm like, this is too hippy dippy. This is bullshit. I'm like, actually, no. Yeah. This, this. <laughs> well, there's some real psychological <laughs> principles behind that stuff. You can yeah, find the exactly. science in it. That's how I get my head around it. I think it's just because like such a funny joke uh, as far as like the LA mentality, but there's a reason why a lot of us actors and creatives gravitate toward that well, because it really is does work. It works in like you got to be zen, just fighting yeah. traffic in this town. You got to be like wusa. <laughs> so it's all okay. I'll get yeah. there when I get there. Yeah, you're like, is this gonna matter next week? Is this gonna matter two years from now? Right. I don't think so. So I'm just gonna let that person cut me off and flip yeah. me off and I'm just going to move on with my day. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good attitude. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, real quick, were you like a competitive figure skater? I so wanted to be in the Olympics, dude. Really? I so did. Were you I... like on the cusp of that? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I was extremely talented. I probably did miss my calling, but, um, as a figure skater, as a figure skater, I, I loved it so much. Really? I grew up in Idle Falls though, and the rink was open like five months out of the year and it's an extremely expensive sport. Yeah. So that's like one of those. It's like equestrians. Like, oh God, yeah, she likes I horses. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, again, I grew up on a ranch, so this sounds hilarious, but I was like raising small, like little milk cows and stuff just to get some money for figure skates. So it's yeah. like $200,000 a year for training was not going to work for me. Yeah. And that was like way, you know, back in the 90s. Yeah. So no, it, uh, yeah, I, I really loved it. I was able to do a double sow cow at one point, but. What did you love about it? Just the freedom, the motion? I love the freedom, yeah. Um, I loved uh, the choreography and the music. Yeah. I loved the costumes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I loved performing. 
Um, all of that was great. It was just fun. That's so funny because you're you're wearing all black right now. You love like doom and gloom and paranormal, but you also love like I love sequins flary. and lycra. Exactly. That's great. You got you got a lot of character. That's, I like that a lot. Well, thank you for talking to me. I really thank appreciate you. it. Thanks for um, asking me. Learned a lot, and I'm hoping to shoot with you again soon. I hope so too. All right. Bye, kids. Bye.